Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to cop us out, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at a box spot, and on my way go. We in Bitten Airwaves. Cool! Yes, y'all, we have another hot show lineup for you tonight. But before we get to that, this is my man Childish Gambino with Redbone, only on Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man DM Cool. And once again, this is Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend because we're live on the airwaves right now. Um, it's been a couple of weeks. My apologies. You know, uh, when life hits, you know, you got to take that call sometimes, right? But we're back in the building. We're back in the building. Um, later on in the show, probably in the next 10 minutes or so, I got my man representing Raptors Republic, William Liu, in studio. We're going to talk Raptors. We're going to talk about NBA draft. We're going to talk about hip-hop and all that good stuff. And speaking of hip-hop, there's so much things to get to, man. We're going to get at Nicki Minaj versus Remy Ma Part 2. We're going to get at um, DJ Khaled releasing a new album. And, of course, we have to talk about the untimely passing of one of Raps Legends' prodigy of Mob Deep. But before we get into that, man, you guys already know, man, I got some stuff to get off of my chest in a big way. So on that note... I think it's time to let that ish breathe, don't y'all think? Yes, I do indeed. So on that note, let me talk about the biggest story that's been that's kind of been like grinding my gears, so to speak, for the last little while. Um, well, besides from the Black Panther trailer coming out, which was absolutely dope, uh, one thing I really wanted to discuss was this new Tupac film, All Eyes on Me. So I ended up seeing that with two of my friends, and before I saw that, there was a lot of hate towards the movie. Maybe unmitigated hate at the time because I didn't see the movie, so I didn't know for sure what to expect. But I just felt like people were saying the movie was terrible, but they weren't providing any context as to why it was terrible or how it was terrible. So when I kept on seeing one comment after the other, I said to myself, okay, people are just hopping on a wave now. So whenever one person disses something, then another person jumps in, another person jumps in, and that becomes a new thing. It's like people hating on Roman Reigns in WWE, man. It just becomes the new thing, basically. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go into this movie, no expectations, no bias at all other than being a fan of Tupac, and let me see what this is about. So I watched it, and I watched it, and I watched it. And I came to the conclusion that it was not a terrible movie, but it wasn't a good movie either. It was just okay. The actors were good. They all played their roles exceptionally well. Um, they did touch on certain details about Tupac's life that kind of went a little bit under the rug, like his time during prison and his relationship with Kadada, uh, Kadada Jones. However, overall, as a movie, this movie was rushed. Like, I thought I was watching... Golden State Warriors pace and space type of offense when I was watching this movie. The way they were zipping through so many storylines, it was insane. It's almost like they had a time constraint and they can only hit certain topics in a certain amount of time. So, for example, let's talk about uh, 
Tupac's mom being a Black Panther. Okay, check. Let's talk about him going to the Baltimore School for the Arts. Okay, check. Let's talk about him going, uh, moving to Oakland. Okay, check. Let's talk about him being uh, a member of Digital Underground. Okay, check. Let's talk about his creation of the same song. Okay, check. Let's talk about me against the world. Check, check, check. Like, they went through everything. It's almost like someone's giving you, like, a three-minute synopsis of a particular show that they watch just so you can catch up midway through the season. And then when things finally got to the death row portion of the film, it started to slow down a little bit, which is cool. But then the focus of the movie is supposed to be Tupac, but then they took that focus off of him and focused on the villainy and tyranny that was Suge Knight. And my thing is this. I know Suge Knight is a dick. I know he's a douchebag. For all we know, he probably has something to do with the death of Tupac because he found out he was leaving death row or wanted to at the very least. We know he's a dick. We saw that in Straight Outta Compton, especially the part where he got mad that the man parked in his parking spot and then beat him up and then gave him the keys and told him to park his car properly. We know he's a dick. That was not supposed to be the focus of the film. The focus of the film was Tupac, and they lost focus on that. And I feel like with the proper direction – this film would have been much better. You know what this is like? This is like having a really good basketball team, but having the wrong coach control that team. Cough, cough, Casey. I'm just saying that <laughs> this movie could have been a lot better had it been directed properly. And John Singleton was supposed to be the director, but I guess because of financial difficulties or creative differences, they couldn't get to him being the director full-time, and he walked halfway through. And instead, they got LT Hutton and Benny Boom. Two music video directors directing a Hollywood film. That's never going to work. It didn't work in Belly with Hype Williams. So suffice to what some people may say. I know it's a cult classic, but I love Nas and DMX, but I don't know. It, it felt like bootleg Scarface to me. But either way, you can't get two people who have no knowledge of directing a movie to direct a movie, especially when it's about Tupac freaking Shakur. Ah, man. I don't know, man. I mean... Again, wasn't a terrible movie, but just severely flawed. And if it was a terrible movie, then I'd be talking about Tyler Perry right now. But it, it's not that. Good acting. Everyone played their role well. Touched on certain aspects of Tupac's life that we didn't really know that much about. But at the end of the day, the, the, the pace of it, the lack of direction, that is what killed this movie the most, man. So for me, if I had to grade this movie... Like A to B to C, et cetera, et cetera. I'd probably have to give it like a C, maybe a C minus at, at the very least, but but no higher than a C. It could have been so much better. It really could have been so much better. It's probably on par with Notorious, I would say. And people were shitting on Notorious when that movie came out. Me, I said it was just okay. Like it wasn't, I don't know what people expected out of that movie, but like I wasn't expecting it to, to take home an Oscar or something like that. But either way, it could have been so much better. And I, th I feel like people are going to look back at this 10 years down the road and be like, wow, where did they go wrong? That's my take on All Eyes on Me. What do you guys think? You guys already know what the deal is. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. Uh, coming up after the commercial break, man, I got my man William Liu in studio. We're talking Raptors. We're talking NBA draft. We're talking hip-hop and all that good stuff. But before we get to all that, man, I got to get to some more music as per the usual. And this one comes from my man Logic with Flexecution, only on Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip-Hop. Indeed you are. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is your man, DM Cool. And we are back with Cool Radio. Now, as promised, we do have our guest for the evening. And as you already know, Ball 
and hip hop, they intersect like it's nobody's business. Rappers want to be ball players, ball players want to be actors. And we, the media, we like to write about it and discuss it. And this gentleman that's sitting in front of me, he discusses it on a regular basis on his Raptors Republic uh, podcast. Uh, he talks about he talks about ball, he talks about sports, politics, all in one. He talks about the latest uh, trades that are happening, the latest signings that are happening, even the D-League stuff. He will make light of that as well. And even when it's not Raptors related, he will add in his two cents because he is a basketball mind. And when it comes to basketball, that is what we do in this industry. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I got to give it to my man, William Liu of Raptors Republic. Will, what's going on? Not much, man. That was a hell of an intro. It was very, very kind of you. Um, yeah, man. Let's let's talk basketball. Let's talk about life. Let's talk about basketball. Exactly, man. Because at the end of the day, ball is life. So we got we got to be uh, discussing that. But before we get into too much of that, uh, I want to ask you, man. Like, when did you first fall in love with basketball? When did I first fall in love with basketball? Uh, probably like early two thousands. Like the first the first bit of basketball I remember watching was like. 2003 NBA Finals. Right. I was like, I think it was Pistons, Lakers. Oh, that was 04, actually. That was 04? Yeah, 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 was yeah. Spurs and Nets, actually. Oh, no, I didn't watch that. <laughs> no, no, I didn't, no, respect to Tim Duncan, I, yeah, didn't, yeah, need to, yeah. I didn't need to see that. It's understandable. It's understandable. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. a sweep or like 4-1 at best. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I remember watching like the Kobe and Shaq toward, towards the end there. Yeah. And, you know, it was... Honestly, in retrospect, it wasn't the most appealing basketball because mm-hmm. like the games were like eighty to seventy-five. Yeah, and I'm like, there's a fourth quarter, and you guys still only score eighty points. But right, right. That was that's when I got into it, and then uh, you know the, the the Canadian you know connection got me in with Steve Nash. That, yeah. that that led to a lot more basketball being shown in Canada. Right, right. And then from then on, it was you know it was it was, it was love after that. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Um, let's see here. In your opinion, what separates uh, basketball from other sports in this country? In this country specifically? Yeah, yeah, specifically, especially when you mention Steve Nash and everything. Well, look, I'm just going to be real. Like, basketball is like the other sport in in Canada, especially, Mm -hmm. because if you look at it, like, maybe, you know, you know, being in, like, growing up in Toronto and stuff, it's not, it doesn't feel necessarily like the other sport. Right. It feels just as popular as everything else. But then once you leave Toronto or Mm -hmm. leave the GTA, it's like all hockey, all the time. Curling's even more popular. Darts. Darts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. And then when you watch it on TV, that's when you really realize, because, like, you know, those major channels, they're carrying, Programming for the whole country. Yeah. Right? And that's when you realize, look, basketball is kind of like the other sport and stuff like that. And that's not why I watch it. But it was just like that kind of like otherness reflects like, you know, being a person of color as well. Like Mm -hmm. being in Canada. You know, like you just kind of gravitate naturally towards those things because the longer you watch hockey, the longer you watch baseball. For me, it's kind of like, all right, this is kind of like the white man sport. That's cool. (laughs) But like, that's cool. I'm not white. I'm not black either. But, you know, like. At, at least there's the otherness that that is appealing, you know. Exactly, yeah, and and, and I love it too, right? Because like the otherness, like as a person of color, mm. you feel that because like you're a minority, right? So you stick out like a sore thumb wherever yeah. you are. Like I was, I was like I grew up in Oakville, like yeah. for, like the first like seven years of my life. So obviously, unless it was like my relative, I couldn't see anyone else that looked like me really. So mm. I, I know a thing or two about sticking out like a sore thumb, basically. I'm sure you as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's funny though because basketball. In this sport, is treated like a niche, like a niche sport, which but is crazy. It, it's insane. But when you go to the states or whatever, their coverage of basketball is probably maybe like second place. I would say NFL is first by far. Yeah. And hockey, ironically, is almost treated like a niche sport because anytime I watch like any like ESPN clips or whatever, rarely do I ever hear about hockey. So it's like they almost care about it in their major markets, like in New York or Chicago, for example. Yeah. Now going back to uh, the Raptors in particular, what drew you to them? 
It's the hometown club, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, also they had great memorable players such as uh, Charlie Villanueva, <laughs> Jorge Garbajosa, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, boy. <laughs> Jamario Moon. Like, I legitimately, like, really had, like, I was like, yo, this, I'm, I was sold on, like, Reggie Evans and, like, yeah. All, no, I mean, like, it's a hometown club, right? right so you right. got to you gotta represent for, for Toronto. And, like, realistically, like, the first time I kind of, like, started liking the Raptors was, like, 07 when they made the playoffs after that long drought. You know, yeah. like, okay, Vince Carter's gone, but Chris Bosh is good. Yeah. We got Bargnani, who, who at first we were like, okay, this guy's good. He's, <laughs> he's, he's Dirk. He's, he's from Europe, so he has to be Dirk. Yeah. Um, oh, boy, where were we rock? <laughs> boy, yeah. where we rock? But, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like all that's on TV. And it was like, yeah. you know... It was on CBC. It was on the score. It was mm -hmm. all over the place, right? Yeah. So you know you could see the Raptors games. So mm -hmm. that's pretty much it. I mean, right. if I live somewhere else, I'd probably like something else. But yeah, yeah. At least they're good now. Yeah, they're, they're good now, right? But like I remember, like for me, like I started watching the Raptors from the beginning, from like '95 and onward, just because I've naturally been like a hometown guy, right? So like I'll cheer for the team that's closest to home. Like before then. For me, it was about the Pistons because, like, I was a I was a big like Grant Hill fan, and they're okay. Detroit, so they're just across the across the bridge, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of a fan of them. Other than that, like Michael, of course, he's the god. Mm -hmm. uh, Penny Hardway for me, like I was, I was right, a huge right. Penny fan as well. But like when the Raptors came, I was fully on board with that because like now we have our own basketball team in our city. We can just take the go train to Toronto and watch them at any point in time. That's right. I was huge on Damon Stoudemire, and then when Vince Carter came. I was like, yo, we have our own Michael Jordan. This is insane. Like, this is like a 10-year-old kid speaking this, yeah. right? So that's why I loved about it the most. Um, Wait, so you're like a day one Raptors fan? Day one. That's crazy to me. Day one. Like, wow, okay. 20 years deep. Like, so You when, saw some shit. I, yo, wow. I, listen, listen. <laughs> I tell people all the time, if I anyhow catch you at the parade on site, on site, you weren't here from the days of... Of Doug Christie, Yo. of Damon Stoudemire, of, of friggin' Oliver Miller. You weren't here for none of that. I was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. No, I get heated whenever I hear someone talk, like, ill of the Raptors, if it's unwarranted. Yeah, yeah, Just because, yeah. like, I've been there for so long. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. but, yeah, I mean, that that's the club. I love them. I love the fact that they've, they've been doing so well in this four-year on this four-year stretch thus yeah. far. Hopefully, it continues on. Messiah, Ujiri, that's my man right yeah. there. He Shout is, out to Messiah. He is the Messiah. Like, yeah. He can do no wrong, except maybe, maybe Bruno. I don't know yet, yeah. but like that. Masai's a good person. He's a humanitarian. He, he really is. He man. just saw a, a malnourished child and was like, "We got to draft him. Take, really? care, <laughs> take care of him. Teach him English. You know, give him a good home to live in." Don't he he saved him from the favelas, man. Oh my god! <laughs> the shade is real. Oh my oh. god. Yeah, but no, nah, like I, I love the Raptors, man. Like my fandom is for real, man. Like it's, it can't, it can't be tested. Um, but um, speaking of Raptors, actually, yeah, how did you get with the uh, Raptors Republic? Uh, you know, I was just, I was bored. I liked the Raptors. I had like no summer job, one year university, and I decided, you know, I'll, I'll just go blog. You know, try to be productive and try to turn like a hobby into like, you know, something more like a job, basically. Yeah. And then um, I wrote on the side. Uh, and then sort of caught on with some people at Raptors Public. They mm -hmm. needed contributors at the time, so they brought me on and then yeah. sort of grew me into a bigger role. And then, 
yeah, that was that's basically it. It's not much of a story to be honest. It's yeah. just like knowing the right people, you know. Exactly, like right place, right time. That that yeah, perfect yeah. storm, basically. Exactly. And sometimes that's all it takes, man. Like like I was kind of telling you, like um, off off the air, man. Just me and my 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 man, uh, Chris Jackson. Shout out to Chris. Um, just knowing him for the longest time and just you know being cordial with him and just having that uh, relationship with him as far as like business and music goes. And then he says to me, "Hey, one day he's like, hey." You want to be a host on my show? I love what you do. You don't have to change this damn thing. Just do your thing, but on a larger platform. I was like, yo, I'm down. Exactly. So that's that's pretty much how, how it goes down, really. Um, now, one thing that I found very interesting, because I do listen to the podcast a lot. I do go to the website a lot. Um, and I just read like other articles and, and all that stuff in general. Uh, ESPN writer Zach Lowe introduced you as the great oh, man. William Liu. Wow, that, yo. Take me through that, man, because I saw that, I was like, yo. Yo, wow. Yo, when, this is the thing with Zach Lowe. When he's, he writes or says anything, yeah. it goes far. It's gospel. It's like it's, it's like Adrian <laughs> Wojnarowski, man. Like, exactly. I got like a real life uh, blue check mark now beside my name. You know, yeah. I'm not Twitter verified. I don't need to be Twitter you verified. You don't need to. That, that's verification Exactly. Right I got there. Zach Lowe verification. That's crazy. Everyone, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how that, I mean, Zach Lowe just followed me one day out of the blue mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, this is crazy. I yeah. got, I really gassed up. Then I looked at his, like who he was following right. and I saw it was mostly like NBA players, yeah. agents, teams, stuff like that. So I was like, okay, yeah. he probably thought I was Lou Williams. Yeah. 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 The That's what I thought. Really. Yeah. I was like, all right, all right. I was like, whatever. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably thought I was Lou Williams was like an Asian Lou Williams. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, and then apparently no, he's been a fan of my work. Um, I haven't ever spoke to this man. I've never met him before, but yeah. um, he's like shared and interacted with some of my work before. And then you know it was very nice of him because he, right. he he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to. No, yeah. like like that's just just it's just off the strength of like the hard work that you put in, man. So yeah. you can't even get mad at that. Yeah, shout out to Zach, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to him for real, man. I'm kind of looking for my shout out too. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Zach Lowe. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's go back to the Raptors for a second now. Yeah. So um, you were mentioning earlier on the show. Uh, that you know, you saw the Raptors as like the others, basically like the outcasts right, and what right. have you. Um, and I feel like that we the North campaign really—that's what the, sh- that's what it, it means. It really sheds some light on that. Mm-hmm. So within the last four years since its inception, yeah. do you feel like that's been the turning point of the Raptors franchise? You know, a, a little bit. I think they wanted to rebrand the Raptors a little bit. Mm-hmm. They wanted to bring that scheme out because, like, what branding the Raptors had before that? Nothing. Maybe we, like purple fever at one point in time. That's about it. Exactly though. right. We had the, like the purple Barney dinosaur thing, yeah. and then we had this like weird claw. Yeah. And then there's nothing. There's nothing about the Raptors yeah. that like was sort of um, in- encapsulated in the marketing. Right. So then finally they came up with that. I think um, Drake helped collaborate with some of the marketing there, and mm-hmm. I think you know he had a, a vision for how it could be done. Yeah. Um, and I think. But I think most importantly, it was just like the team got good right yeah. as they put that campaign out. Exactly. I think they actually rushed the campaign one year early because mm-hmm. they made the playoffs all of a sudden because they yeah. were trying to tank. Yeah. Right? They traded away Rudy Gay. They're going to tank. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it launched this like random run where mm-hmm. no one knew DeMar was this good. No one exactly. knew Kyle Lowry was this good. Yeah. And then they got in the playoffs and they were like, all right, we the North. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then it, it just caught out with the franchise because like, you know – because this this is sort of the feeling that we've always had, right? There's mm-hmm. the one team outside of America. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had the the Grizzlies, rest yeah. in peace. But you know, what, <laughs> that was a weak Canadian dollar they left. That right, was a right. bad trade though, because Vancouver would be great as an NBA it, destination oh my right gosh, now. Would have been amazing. Um, but yeah, that's how we've always felt. You know, like mm-hmm. in terms of for what turning on ESPN and stuff, you'll never hear about the Raptors, right? Once Barely. Vince Carter left, we never heard it was about the Raptors. Done. It was done. It was done. So. 
that, yeah, that's how that's how everyone feels. And then plus Raptors fans in the city already feel like they're second, third fiddle to like the Jays and the Leafs. Yep. So when they put that out there, people are like, yes, that's exactly how we feel. And it spoke to the hardcore fans like me and you basically yeah, about, yeah, about how sure. we feel about our team. And I just love the fact that the the ad for it, it was it was gritty. Like it yeah, wasn't yeah, like yeah. campy yeah, exactly. or, or preschool or anything. Like it yeah, was yeah. gritty. It yeah. shows you some of the sites that people play basketball at. Like yeah, showed yeah. you Harborfront. Showed yeah, you yeah. um that one court that's under the bridge basically. Like it showed yeah, you yeah, yeah, all yeah. these great locations. Like even like the little husky in there as a little ode mm-hmm. to the, the to the Toronto Huskies, what have you. Yeah, yeah. Like it was good. Like it had that gritty feel, you know? And like I feel like that's what they need. They need that edge basically. Yeah. And exactly. I think I know that one year you're talking about, the year where they uh it was the following year where they made the playoffs. They they added the the new logo into one of their right, campaigns. Right, right. they rebranded, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like we didn't have that logo wasn't official yet, mm-hmm. but I think you know they. I guess they got a little gun shy or whatever, right? But either way, I think it was needed. And I think it was somewhat of a turning point because the Raptors have been in the playoffs for four straight years now. They've been looked at as contenders now, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so who knows where it's gonna go, man? But on that note, contendership and what have you, yeah. one of the biggest pieces to that, or arguably the biggest piece to that, is Kyle Lowry. Yeah, he's a free agent this year, as we all know. Yeah, opted out, looking to make some big money. Does he come back? I mean, I think if the Raptors want to bring him back, mm-hmm. and it's, it seems like they do, yeah, they're gonna bring him back. Right now, it's just a matter of negotiations, mm-hmm. um, because I think like Kyle likes it in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, like even at the season ending and stuff, he stuck around. He didn't need to. Most yeah. NBA players, the season they, they ends, back. they're going to Los Angeles, they're going to vacation wherever, yeah. right? But no, Lowry stayed in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, he he likes the situation. This is the one situation where he found, you know, his way as a star player. I mean, he's talented enough to. Tr- carry that to other places too but mm-hmm. this is where you know he's grateful to be obviously he's great friends with damar mm-hmm. him and damar like making like gifs every game yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy um the bromance the bromance is, is too real between these guys yeah. um but yeah i mean look the raptors they want to bring him back too because if they don't sign him then we don't really have money to bring give anyone else mm-hmm. so we might as well just give it to larry so it's an issue of like how much money you want to give to him right because right he's getting kind of old Contracts are getting really big nowadays, mm-hmm. um, and you don't want to give him too much money towards the end of his contract where you're going to pay him like $40 million when he's like 36 years old. Yeah. So it's just negotiations at this point. But I think unless there's some big snag or whatever, mm-hmm. Larry's going to come back. It'll be, it's, not a, it's not an issue. I think so. Um, speaking of which, actually, there was, um, there was a, a tweet – or sorry, not an article. It was, it was an article, actually. So an article came out right. saying how he's un, unsatisfied with what Toronto's doing thus far and he wants to leave. Mm. But then he quickly responds back and says, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we don't do this, yeah. but that was false. You know, Believe it from me, basically. Yeah. What, what was your reaction to that? Well, I was shocked when that article came out because mm-hmm. – um, that came from a reputable reporter. Yeah. Right? So I had to take it seriously. You know what I mean? Like, other reporters, you kind of know who really knows what's good and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, those are pretty strong comments that he put out. So I was I was really worried. I felt sick. I was like, I, yeah, I can't believe this is happening. For sure. But then it's good on Larry to come out and say that, right? Because, like, that's kind of... Because your name is on the line at that point. Yeah, exactly. And, like, look, players, I mean, especially Lowry, he's, he doesn't really like the media all that much. Yeah, but like, you think? <laughs> this, this is one of those examples where, like, you could see why, you know, like, players would not like the media. Because, like... Mm-hmm. They misconstrued their words they, and everything like that. Yeah, Lowry didn't say anything. Yeah. Right? They weren't coming from him. It's always sources, always unnamed sources. Yeah. And they're speaking for Lowry, right? So, mm-hmm. like, you know, Lowry wanted to set this record straight. I think that helps because... It's weird if you set if you if you set the record straight mm-hmm. like this and then you don't come back, it's a bit weird. Yeah. So I think that's a positive sign too that he wants to come back, that he had to defend himself like that. But exactly. He didn't really yeah, I mean, 
I, I think he wants to say. I yeah. think that's what it says. Mm-hmm. So it, it says that, but he also doesn't want to hurt his pockets as well, right? Yeah, of course. Because he knows Toronto can offer him the most money. So, sure, he, he does want to stay. It sounds like he does, but also he's, he's thinking about the business side uh, yeah. of it as well. Now, here's my question to you. Mm. Everyone's saying how he has the potential to make $200 million like, at, at the most or whatever. I personally think that the Raptors are going to say, hey, Jamar took a pay cut, somewhat yeah, of a yeah. pay cut. Yeah. Are you able to do this? Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll be he'll be able to take that pay cut if they offer it to him? I think the Demar situation was different because Demar was like twenty six when he signed that contract. Yeah, um, and Demar had been fully healthy. Yeah, right. Um, and there were more teams in for Demar than there were now for Lowry, who's going to be thirty one when the season starts, mm-hmm. and he's coming off injury. Um, I think what the Raptors are going to do is trying to say like, look, we're gonna we're, we're we're going to offer you like a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. Right, you could take this money. Or what you can do is go on the market and then find a suitor that's going to give you more money than us and then right. come back to us and then we'll maybe match that or maybe go a little bit higher. Right. You know what I mean? So like let the market kind of set itself. Right. And then if you look at it, a lot of teams in the league that needed a point guard before free agency started, a lot of them grabbed point guards in the draft. Like you look at Philadelphia where, mm-hmm. where Kyle Lowry's from. Yeah. That could have been leverage for him if he went to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But they got Markel Fultz in the number one pick. Yeah. And then you look at Brooklyn, they need a point guard. I don't even know if Lowry wants to go to Brooklyn because that's like an irrelevant no. franchise. Yeah. But still, they got D'Angelo Russell, so they're, they, they think they're good over there. Sacramento just drafted the point guard, mm-hmm. De'Aaron Fox, so now Lowry can't really go there either. And mm-hmm. you just look around the league, a lot of places are shrinking. Right? Yeah. And you look at reports, there's not a lot of teams that say they're interested in Lowry. Lowry's a quality player. I'm sure every team would love to have him. Yeah. But a lot of the situations he could be in are no longer there. So that mm-hmm. kind of lowers his leverage, which means the Raptors have more leverage exactly. in the Negotiation. So I, I think it's even it's more and more likely that, that Larry's gonna come back. Yeah, and I think not only that, but like I feel like the only teams that are that maybe somewhat interested in him now are San Antonio and Houston because yeah. those reports have come out, and those are two legitimate teams that have a possible chance of winning a ring. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and at the end of the day, he says he wants to win a ring. So I would say between those two, San Antonio might be the best fit for him if he wants to win a ring. But mm-hmm. even staying in Toronto, he like he still has a chance to contend for a ring because. Outside of Cleveland, yeah, yeah, the only other two teams that are that can really contend in the East are Washington and Boston. Yeah, so yeah. it's like you gotta pick, you gotta you gotta pick your poison. You gotta choose your devil wisely. It's like, do you want to run into the wall of LeBron or run into the wall of Steph and KD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't think switching a conference will make a difference. If anything, stay in the East because it's much more competitive in the West. Yeah, yeah, for I sure. I think he's got to be more analytical in that regard i don't know what his process was in terms uh-huh. of thinking about it but i think he has to keep that in mind yeah for sure and, and again like toronto can offer them more money right mm-hmm. so like you know you can get creative and give them like a five-year deal but then like the fifth year is only partially guaranteed yeah throw them that extra like guaranteed money so you can kind of like like it basically be a bigger four-year deal go right. around the cap like that right and then you can do some tricky stuff like that mm-hmm. that houston and san antonio can't do and also like Lowry isn't their first priority. Lowry's the Raptors' first priority. Mm-hmm. But, like, Houston, they're going to chase, like, Chris Paul. They're going to chase Blake Griffin. They're mm-hmm. going to chase, like, even maybe Paul Millsap before they turn to Lowry and say, yeah. what's up, right? And then, like, San Antonio, they want, they, they want like, Chris Paul as well. They want George Hill mm-hmm. and other guys. And then they might come back to get Lowry. So, yeah. while those – you know, like, Lowry is – is going to be waiting for those guys, those teams to sort their business out. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Raptors is just to be like, yo, listen, just come home. Stay exactly. Home. What, are yeah. you, what are you doing? Exactly. Like, we got it right here yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And I think personally, like, I personally, I think Larry should come back. That's mm. first and foremost. But secondly, 
they need to find a way to lessen the workload for him because yeah, there's yeah. no way he should be leading, leading the league in minutes. Like the no man sense. averaged 38.4 minutes per game right in front of LeBron. And to me, that's one of the reasons why his body fails him come playoff time. That's why he can't perform. Yep. So I feel like they, K, they as in Casey, needs to find a way to construct a much more conducive offensive system right. that reduces the load off of him. Otherwise, this guy's going to come into the playoffs limping once again, and then people are going to unfairly criticize him for that. And it's yeah, not yeah. fair. That's why I'm I'm not a Casey fan. I'm sorry, man. Like yeah, I know yeah, he's wow. supposed to be this defensive guru and everything, but no. offense, he's got nothing. You're not pounding the rock? No, no. I've never been pound the rock. <laughs> pound the rock down his throat, if anything. No, like, that's I'm, his offense right there, man. Pound the rock. Dribble, oh, dribble nonstop. Yeah. No, man. It's just terrible. Like, there's no creativity to it. If it were me, if we're up to me, I this might be this might be premature, but I say throw Stackhouse in. Like, okay, and, and okay. I, and I know, yeah, he's just coming off the D League championship and it's only D League. Yeah, but if yeah. you look around the league, mm-hmm. a lot of these coaches that are now coming up are young and they're they're progressive yeah, and yeah. They have new ideas how to create offense or defense. Mm-hmm. Look at Brad Stevens in, in, in uh in Boston. Yeah, he's look, in his forties. Exactly. Look at Terry Stotts in, in, in Portland. Yep. He did a good job the year before. Uh Steve Kerr. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, the proof is in the pointing right there. Yeah, yeah. Like you gotta you gotta get with people who are more progressive. Casey Styles is way too antiquated. The man's 60 years old. He's yeah. kind of in that Phil Jackson territory where he only wants to mm. stick to one thing and one thing only. And that's not going to get it done. Yo, I mean, look, here's the thing. I want to acknowledge all the positive things Dwayne Casey has done. In sure, terms of sure. Setting culture, you know what I mean? Like, most successful coach in franchise history. Not saying a lot. Yeah. Not saying a lot. All right. Respect to Butch Carter, but not sure. saying a lot. All sure. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's done great things here, but then you got to think about like, who are you going to, what do you, what do you need to improve to take to the next level? Right. Because yeah, Dwayne Casey helped the Raptors to a point where it's like now before when he took over, it was like the team was garbage. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a good work ethic, you know, right. whatever. Right. They didn't care from game to game. Now they give consistent effort every game. They're professional club. Like you never hear any like bad reports out of Toronto. No one yeah. gets into trouble. Nothing like that. Right. Really so that's good. That. And we're getting to a point now where there's real expectations for us to, like, win. That's a big step to go mm-hmm. from, like, no one cares about you to, like, yeah. we actually expect you to, like, give LeBron a scare. Yeah. Right? Realistic or not. Right. So if you're at this point, okay, then you might need someone to take you over the top. I think the most uh, the most cited scenario is usually, like, when Mark Jackson had the Warriors. Yeah. And he was doing great things there. He made them a good defensive club. Mm-hmm. But then he was doing, like, whack stuff, like making Clay Thompson post up. Yeah. And then, and then Steve Kerr came in. He was like, all right, maybe we'll just let's. You know, Clay Thompson shoot threes. Exactly. Right? And then right? he changed the offense. He just took the same per- personnel. Mm-hmm. He tweaked it a little bit, played yeah. a different system. And then they became, like, you know, one of the most dominant teams ever. And that's what we needed. Like, I'm not saying that's going to take us over the hump immediately. Right, right, exactly. But it's going to be a step in the right direction. Because you can't, we can't keep playing iso ball into the playoffs yeah, yeah, yeah. year after yeah, year. Like, true. people see it from a mile away, man. Yep, I yep. mean, pff, we almost got destroyed by the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. And the Bucks, I mean, here's the thing. Every year in the playoffs, they do the same thing, right? They know we got two guys, Larry and DeRozan, and they're yep. going to have the ball all the time. Yeah. They're going to call for high screen. Yeah. They're going to drive to the basket, or they're going to shoot. Yeah. Maybe they'll pass if there's a double team. So what they do, they just put a double team on the ball, and they say, like, all right, give up the ball, let someone else beat you. Exactly. One of the problems is we don't really have the third guy that could beat you right now. Nope. Right? Like, Ibaka's supposed to be that guy, but he's kind of hot and cold. He's more yeah. like a fourth option. Right. Right? We don't have a third guy who's lethal like that. And mm-hmm. then also, Larry and DeRozan, they don't really like to pass that much. So mm-hmm. like they try to dribble in the double teams. They turn it over and yeah. they go the other way. You know, we've seen in the playoffs a lot. And yep. the thing that other teams are able to do is make adjustments. They have a scheme. They can get offense out of the, you know, the, the general design of the, of the plays and stuff like that. 
the Raptors, I mean, it's going to be a high pick and roll. So if you double the the guy, well, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Well, we can talk Raptors all damn all day. night yeah. long. It doesn't matter. But we yeah. got to move on to some other things. All so right, on right. that note, it's time for the games portion of Cool Radio. Okay. So this game I have right here is entitled Cool or Uncool. Yeah, so me, I'm kind of like an old school hip hop fan, judging by the record. Uh, so this record is entitled um, "Cool Like That" from Diggable Plans. It's way back in like the mid '90s. Anyways, the objective of the game goes as followed. I am going to list off some scenarios for you. All right. And you are going to tell me whether they're cool or uncool. Now, seeing as how the draft took place last night, as of this live recording, uh, we're going to talk about the draft. All right. So, are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So, first scenario, uh, the Bulls trading Jimmy Butler, cool or uncool? It's cool for the Timberwolves. Right, right, right. <laughs> what are you looking forward to? Looking forward to the most out of this trade? Uh, I, I want to see. Uh, I want to see how the Timberwolves do, man, because right. they, they got so much talent right now. I just want to see them come to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't you love to see the Timberwolves sneaking as the eight seed and then face the Warriors? Yeah. All that talent against all that talent, like you know what I mean? Like, obviously the Timberwolves are inferior, but yeah. Jimmy's great. Jimmy's a great player. Absolutely. And the Bulls, I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, speaking of the Bulls, actually, um, yeah. yeah, lots of people want to burn down the city of Chicago, apparently, when, when this mm-hmm. took place. Um, but do you see, like, any upside to them at the very least in, in this scenario? I think the upside is they're going to rebuild. Mm-hmm. They needed to rebuild for a while because basically what the Bulls did was they built that team around Derrick Rose. Yeah. And then Derrick Rose got hurt. And yeah. then they had to tear everything down slowly, right? Yeah. So now they're at the point where they're like, all right. You know, we got to rebuild. We got to trade Jimmy Butler. That's fine. Yeah. But the guys that got back aren't, like, star players by any means. Like Jimmy right. Butler is one of the top 15 players in the league. Yeah. Their best guy that got back was, like, Zach Levine. Yeah. But he's coming off an ACL. Yeah. So you don't really know in that situation. And the other guys are all unproven. So. Right. I don't know what Chicago's doing, man. I think they, Free D-Wade. Yeah, I know, right? I think they traded for potential. That's that's what it looks yeah, like they did. Exactly. Because they have, a, they have a freak athlete in Zach Levine. Chris Dunn was, like, he was highly... Yeah. Like when he got drafted, but we haven't seen any of that spark yet. And then they got the rights to uh, I think Chicago's p- or yeah, the Minnesota's pick yeah. as well. Laurie Markinen. Yeah, so I love Markinen. There you go. <laughs> I love Markinen McConnell. I got it. All right. Well, yeah, we'll see how that goes though. Um, <laughs> Paul George saving himself for the Los Angeles Lakers. Cool or uncool? Very cool. Really? Very cool. Please explain. I like when players take control of their future. Okay. Because right? teams trade stars willy nilly. Like what? You know what I mean? Like look at what Chicago just did to Jimmy Butler, right? right Jimmy right. Butler, like he wants to change. He bled, sweat, blood, sweat, and tears for that franchise, and then just dumped him. Yeah. For some random dudes. Right. Paul George saying, you know what? I gave you a lot of time in Indiana. Yeah. I want to go to LA. Yeah. This is my. I only got one chance to be a free agent like this in my prime. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Los Angeles. Right. That's cool. Yeah. You know what? I'm not mad at him for taking that stance. Right. I'm just mad at him that has some freaking Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, come on. I hate the Lakers. Like, anyone that knows me knows I hate the Lakers with a passion. Uh, I hate their fans. Yeah, I hate yeah. the amount of privilege that they bleed out. It reminds yeah, me of hockey true. in this country. That's true. They just reek of privilege. And yep. the, the fact that he just says, hey, I want to be a Laker, mm. even though they've been 
they've stunk for five years. That's he just right. wants to go out, go there based on legacy, not because he lives in LA. Because if that were the case, he'd be like, "Hey, I want to play for the Clippers." Yeah. But nobody wants to play for nobody the Clippers. wants to play for the Clippers. But they all want to play for the Lakers, even though their legacy is a legacy that most of these casual fans nowadays don't even know about. But That's hey, right. I want to be there because Kobe was there and Magic was there. I know I sound bitter and petty right now, but yeah. that's just how I personally feel. All right. So, boo-earns on him on that, but I still like him. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, the possibility of LBJ leaving the Cavs next year. Cool on cool. Uh, again, very cool. Very cool? Very cool. Okay, and here's why, all right? Cavaliers team owner Dan Gilbert does yeah. not deserve happiness. All right. <laughs> First of all, he made all his money on predatory loans. I can't respect that at all. Right, you right. I mean, stop, stop uh, capitalizing on the poor and stuff like that. Right. With this company, but also, I mean, I kind of want to see LeBron do a new thing, right? Because he went to Cleveland. What was his goal? Bring a championship yeah, home, snap that like forty-five year title like drought, fifty-year drought. Yeah, it was like, like Jim crazy. Brown, and then it was LeBron. Yeah, it was a long time. It's crazy. Uh, so he did that. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, all right, what are you going to do next? Yeah, like his work is done. Like he didn't say not five, not six, not seven this time around. That's he just true. said, I want to bring a title. Yep. He brought a title yep. along with three straight finals appearances. Yeah. He's done his job. Yeah. He's done. I- his, I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but mm. he did his job. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. I want him to stick it to Dan Gilbert again by doing the decision 2.0. Do, oh, do that show again. <laughs> do that show again. Oh, man. You know what? Yeah. Sure, why not? But. The fans of Cleveland, man, I don't know, man. That first time around, jeez, they damn near burned that city to the ground when mm-hmm. that happened. No uh, one noticed, though. Th- yeah, I know, right? Made no, no one noticed. Made no difference in Cleveland. Right? And w- I, know the, I know the track is done, but one more, one more before we move right. on. Um, Lonzo Ball being drafted by the Lakers. Cool or uncool? Uh, it's, it's uncool. It's, it's uncool? Because yeah. it's, it's going to be headlines nonstop now. Right. It's the Lakers, like you said. They yeah. always get all this attention. Yeah. And then Lonzo Ball and the Ball family, LeVar, all yeah. they really want to do is like feed off that attention, right? Yep. I actually find it pretty entertaining, uh-huh. but it's also exhausting. It's it little, is very exhausting. You know there's a grandpa ball now? They yeah. found they found LeVar's dad at an airport. Are you serious? Yeah, they inter- like TMZ caught up with LeVar Ball's dad. So now we're gonna hear about grandpa oh, ball, man. Boy. You know what this is, man? This is the Kardashian family of the NBA, yes, basically. Exactly. That's exactly what's happening exactly. right now. Like, it, like, and I've heard people talk about them being sick and tired of hearing about Steph Curry's family, like Del mm-hmm. Curry and the wife mm-hmm. and his kids and, and his wife Aisha. Yeah. But they weren't catching headlines like this over stupidity. No, no, no. And, and obnoxiousness. Steph had to become a two-time MVP to do this. Yes. Yeah. Whereas LeVar, he's just coming in being a loudmouth and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not mad that he's a loudmouth because any – Parents of an athlete is going to yeah, be like this. The only difference is that we have cameras on this guy. Right, right, right. But don't give this man a microphone. Don't no. don't feed into the ego. Just pull. I know I know they're going to do it to generate ratings. I know yeah, it's going to yeah, be yeah. clickbait. But if you're sick and tired of it, then don't watch. Exactly. Don't watch. Do not watch. And, and yeah, that's it, man. That's yeah. it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, man, we got my man William Liu in the building. We're approaching the overtime edition of Cool Radio, which is all good because that uh, that just means that the banter is that real. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into this week's stories, including Nikki and Remy, Remy heating up again. DJ Khaled releasing a new album, and then Prodigy uh, of Mob D passing away. But before we get into all that, I got to get to my man Leandro. This record is entitled... Where's that record right here? Like that. Only on Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to all my cool cats and cool kittens. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. I still got my man, William Liu, in the building. Say what's up to the people. What up, guys? Yes, yes, yes. So, we've been talking about basketball a whole lot during this uh, broadcast, but... 
I think it's time that we move on into the hip hop side of things as we normally do. And for another edition of Trip Talks, that's three topics in three minutes. So with that being said, let's get to it. So first topic we got to get to is Nicki Minaj and Remy Ma heating up their rivalry once again. So this pretty much all started again during the Hot 97 Summer Jam where um, Remy Ma performed Sheether, which is her scathing diss track to Nicki Minaj, which is much better than... Oh, I can't remember the name of the other record. Will, do you remember the name of the other record that Nicki did? No, was, no. No exactly. frauds. There we go. No frauds. That's the point. No yeah, one remembers. Yeah, exactly. No one remembers. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, she performed that live on stage. But on top of that, she also included a whole bunch of legends of the rap game uh, from the female side of things. So I think, uh, uh, who was it? It was Clean Latifah who went on stage. It was Yo-Yo. Like, there's so many great... MC Light was on stage with her as well. So, of course, they weren't verbally saying F Nicki Minaj or anything like that. Right, right. But they were basically saying, yo, we're rocking with you, Remy. So the optics of that situation kind of looks a little looks a little, a little off, so to speak. And then Nicki Minaj kind of retorted back and like a few subliminals that she dropped in other records as well. So suffice to say, things are picking back up again. We don't know if more music is going to be exchanged between the two, but it looks like this is one you know few that we're going to be looking forward to throughout the rest of the summer. Uh, Will, what's your take on it? My take on it is like I'm kind of ready for it to be over. Okay, right? Because like usually with these with with beefs and stuff like that, right? Like. It gets to a point. There's like there's you guys people trade punches, and then yeah. in the end, there's like that one finishing blow. Yeah, and I'm waiting for that finishing blow because I yeah. think it'd be good. I thought Sheether was gonna be that. Yeah, because she. I mean, yeah, that was that was it was good. It wasn't like back to back, but yeah. like it was it was good. It was effective. But now it's coming back up. So like someone's got to come up with like a definitive exactly. end statement. All right, you can't say nothing yeah. back to this. Someone has to come like, up with that like Hadouken. ether, <laughs> like like ether exactly. Yeah. Right? Like, so that's 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 that. As for the rest of it, I mean like. I'm not like a diehard hip hop fan at all, so yeah. I was like, hey, Remy Ma, I haven't heard that since like Lean Back. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? It's like middle school all over again. What? For real, for real. I mean, with like Nicki and everything, like, okay, here's my thing about Nicki. Yeah. I'm not a huge Nicki Minaj fan. Okay, I think she's a tad bit overrated. Sure. Um, just because whenever people mention, like, whenever the fanboys and fangirls mention Nicki Minaj. The only record they ever mention about her is Monster. That track with oh, yeah, yeah, Kanye and yeah, yeah. Jay-Z yeah. where she pretty much outshined them. Right, right. And I, I'll give her credit for that because yeah. to go on a record with those two, I mean, at least at least with Jay-Z, I mean, oh, yeah, Rick Ross is on that record. There you oh, go. that's right. That's right. Yeah. But, like, outside of that, they don't mention anything else. So it's like, okay, this is the person that you're championing to be the queen of the rap game. Mm-hmm. And she is by default because there's no other female rappers doing their thing. Right. What other records can you kind of vouch for her on, right? Mm. And then, you know, Nikki herself keeps on saying, I'm not this pop star like Lady Gaga, whatever. I'm an MC, but you keep on putting mm. out pop records. You keep That's on right. dressing like Lady Gaga, basically. Like you are the rap Lady Gaga in a sense. Oh, man. But you haven't really done anything to show us that you're like a hip hop heavyweight, in my opinion. Right. Sure, as far as sales go, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like when it comes to your skill as a rapper, not that she's bad. Like she's good when she wants to be. Yeah. But that's the problem. When she wants to be, she's yeah, not yeah, consistent. Yeah. She's almost like the male version of Drake in the sense where it's like, we know you can rap, but you take a back seat and do what everyone else is doing. You're not creating a wave. You're following mm-hmm. the wave. So to whom much is given, much is tested. And so far, you're failing the exam, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So that's my personal take on Nikki. And the way she responded with no frauds, I get it. She wants to take the back-to-back approach. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. here's the difference. Back-to-back was good. Yeah, it was fire. That was a good record. Yeah. Like, that was better than the Charge Up. Charge Up was nice. It was kind yeah, of yeah. underrated, in my opinion. Sure. But back-to-back, that was the knockout punch that you are yeah. alluding to. No frauds was just... 
eh, I might address you a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm going to pretend like I don't care, even though I'm going to write some Instagram post that's like three paragraphs long, which you should have put on the record. Yeah, but, yeah, hey, yeah, that's yeah. none of my business. Yeah, That's my personal take with Nikki when it comes to this feud. Uh-huh. So I would like for Remy to just, like, give her that long kiss goodnight punch and just be done with it and move on. So I'm kind of in the same realm where you are, where, like, I'm kind of – I'm almost ready for it to be over, but, like, right, right, right. I feel like this is Remy's – battle to lose in the sense where she can win at any time but she's not giving that knockout blow she kind of gave a little bit of like a like a like a rib shot with with yeah, bringing yeah, the yeah. other mcs on stage but i'm ready for that knockout blow like, like let's go home let's go home ladies exactly. and gentlemen let's yeah. go home <laughs> we're in the fourth quarter man yeah. let's just let's let's end it right now exactly just give yeah. us that vince carter it's over yeah, just give us right. that that's right give us that but uh ladies and gentlemen cool cats cool kittens listening at home what do y'all think Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio to share your thoughts. Next topic we got to get to is DJ Khaled releasing a new album titled Grateful. Now, this one came out of left field for me because of the fact that it was only a year where he came out with Major Key that had Drake on it, Kendrick Lamar, and all these yep. other heavyweights. Yep. But Grateful comes off of the off of the uh, the birth of his uh, of his son, basically, mm-hmm. and and he actually has his son on the album cover. Just I was going to ask you by the pool side. Yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah. So he actually has him on on the on the pool side. So I'm not sure what the album is about per se, but I've just seen like this list of rappers on there and, and R and B artists. So yeah, you have your usual suspects. You have Jay Z on there. You have Future, who's on like five five tr- uh, songs on there. Uh, you have Nas on there, and he had a he had probably the best song on the previous album, which was entitled Nas Album Done. If you haven't heard it, okay. it's fire. Like okay. I haven't heard Nas rap like that in a minute. I'm a huge Nas fan. Um, but um, when it comes to bringing people together, like you've had this history of like people like P Diddy bringing people together on yeah, the record, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Dre bringing people together on the record. Do you think Khaled is this generation's person of bringing people to the cookout, so to speak? I mean, kind of. Okay. Kind of. I mean, because, like, who else would be doing it, right? Right. right? I think he's kind of, like, there by default yeah. in, that, in that status. But okay. I don't really see him, like, like, at least with those guys, like, 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 like with Diddy. Like, he was, like, he made influential tracks. Yeah. And I don't, maybe, I don't, no disrespect to, to you know, DJ Khaled. Yeah, but, yeah. like, all I remember is uh, all I do is win, which is not, oh, it was okay. just like, okay, all right, it's all right, cool. Yeah. But it wasn't like a, you know, game-changing type of music either. Right, so, right, right. I mean, clearly he's able to network with people, and that's yeah. that's an important that's, skill. That's right? a major key. And can he raise people as a producer? I don't really know, right? Yeah. Like, Because, like, when people worked with Kanye, everything went, went up. Like everything, like their music went up. When you work with like Pharrell, like music, your music went up. I don't, yeah. I just don't know if that's the same effect you get with DJ Khaled. Right. And you know what? He has had a little bit of that effect here and there, but like, I don't think he's really had that effect on newer artists. Like, yeah, yeah. When he used, he used to work with Ace Hood. He was pretty big back in like, sure. 2009, 2010, around that time, but then things kind of fell through between those two. Mm-hmm. So now I find I happen to notice that he works with more established acts like a Jay Z, like a Nas, right, like right, Future. Right. So I haven't really seen him break out a new star like the way Diddy has broken out a star or Dr. Dre, for example. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. kind of working with new guys. Has doesn't really have anyone under his arm, so to speak, right now. So you do mm-hmm. have you do have a good point uh, when it comes to that. Yeah. But as far as this generation is concerned, I feel like he kind of is that guy bringing people to the cookout, so to speak. As far yeah. as like big time collaborations, like back in like '95, uh, I think it was '94 or '95. Mm. It was '95. Diddy had um, "Flavor in Your Ear" remix with Craig Mack and Ella Cool J, Biggie, yeah, and all yeah. that. 
Uh, Dr. Dre, he's, I mean, how many collaborations has he been a part of? Yeah, like too man. many, right? Everybody. He's still doing it right now with he's, Kendrick. Exactly, yeah. yeah it's, it's, he has an eye for talent. I mean, mind you, we already knew about Kendrick before Dre got exactly, him. But, yeah. but Dre was like, Dre was Steve Kerr, basically. Yeah, he exactly. Was <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, we got uh, something that's yeah. already made? Yeah. Let me just scoop him up real quick yeah, you know, exactly. one more tweak. <laughs> yeah, Section 80 was good, but exactly. let's, let's, let's make it Kid Mad City. Let let's me go. give you a good Kid Mad City. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... Cool cats and cool kittens listening at home. What do y'all think about DJ Khaled's new album? Is it fire? Do you like some of the records on there? Is all of it fire? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. And final topic for Trip Talk. We got to talk about Prodigy and Mob Deep, man. Now, this one hit heavy in the entire hip-hop community. As we all know, he passed away earlier this week. And even though the official autopsy hasn't been announced yet, the official cause of death hasn't been announced one must speculate that it has to be due to a sickle cell anemia virus that he's been suffering with for as long as he's detailed about it into into his music. But we have reason to believe that he's had it ever since like maybe his teenage years at the very least or even maybe since birth. Um, but nonetheless, we were all shaken by it. Everyone in the hip-hop community from Chuck D to uh, to Diddy, even or especially Nas, mentioned some uh, kind words on social media, as well as his la- uh, not label mate, his group mates, uh, Havoc of, of Mob Deep as well, uh, offered his condolences of, as well and what have you. Um, but yeah, man, uh, Will, what was your thoughts when you first heard about Prodigy dying? I, I must admit, I, I'm maybe I'm too young, sure, but I did not, I did not really. I wasn't around for that time. Sure, right? sure, yeah. So when it when he passed away, I was like, okay, who is this? Yeah, right. And I mostly just did some reading and stuff like that. You know right. what I mean? Because like, I don't know, man. I maybe I came around too late for that. So like, right. I don't know, man. Educate me in terms of like, how did he affect you? Yeah, yeah, no. Well, for me personally, I mean, like, when like I grew up listening to like hip hop and R and B and stuff like that because I have older brothers and sisters and whatnot. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So. When I was listening to rap, I was, I was mostly on the East Coast stuff. And we're talking East Coast, we're talking Nas, we're talking Wu-Tang Clan, and Mob right. Deep was a fixture of, of that course. East Coast scene. Of course, um, And Mob Deep was often looked at as, like, the gritty side of hip-hop, especially uh, from New York. Okay. And, yeah, two guys from New York in terms of Havoc and Prodigy who mm-hmm. were really carrying that banner, especially for the Queensboro of New York. Like, right, they right, were, right. like... That gritty, we're not gonna go commercial, we're gonna do it our way, you see where it goes type of guys. Like, they were kind of like the unsung heroes of that. They were like, they were almost like borderline, like just underground and borderline. I wouldn't say mainstream in terms of like everybody knowing them, like in like a pop yeah, entertainment yeah, yeah. world, but like mainstream from a hip hop stance. Like, they were respected. Exactly. Like, yeah, Meek yeah. Mill, for example, is mainstream in the hip hop world, basically. Right, 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 right. And it, Mob Deep were in between that, I would say. Okay, okay. I would say that they had their most like commercial success in like the late 90s when they came out with their murder music album. Okay. That's when um, they had um, they had Little Kim on that album as well as a whole bunch right, of other right, heavyweights, right. basically. And then they had a bit of a career resurgence when they uh, signed a deal with G Unit back in 2000. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So they were heavy on on the on the on the East Coast scene. Very gritty. They they even got involved in the East Coast West Coast beef that was happening. Of course. Because uh, I think it was Snoop Dogg and the Dog Pound. They they put out a record called New York, New York. Basically, in, uh-huh. in the video, they were kind of like knocking down the buildings of New York, or whatever. Wow. So they just kind of trolling them. So they came back with a record called L A L A, and basically it was talking about kidnapping your favorite West Coast rapper and then just dumping him off of the Queens Bridge, basically. Yeah, wow. So, they, right. yeah, like, they were gritty. They were yeah. very gritty. I think that's what most people respected them about it. But in terms of Prodigy, I think, and for me at least, a lot of people respected Prodigy 
not only because of, of his lyrical acumen, but also because of the fact that whenever he opened up a record, he said something very, very profound. Right. Like, on Survival of the Fittest, for example, he said, there's a war going outside no man is safe from. Okay. So basically talking about the street life. Like, basically, uh-huh. when you step out of your house, that could be your last, because that was the reality that they were faced with each and every day. Um, and then uh, on, uh, uh, not Survival of the Fittest, uh, what's it called? Shook Ones Part 2, he said... Um, he said, we be the infamous official Queensbridge murderers. You heard of us. Like he said stuff like that, that Mm -hmm. really got you in tune. Like I got you stuck on the realness. Like Uh the moment he said that, that's what it's like, okay, now it's really time to listen into what he's saying. So I think that's what people will remember him most for. Like just the way he opened up records and also how vivid he was in terms of like the grittiness of of his reality, basically. So that's what I took from it. Like when when I heard about his death and like how we're not going to get that again. And even as a rapper, he, he kind of fell off a little bit come like 2003, 04, whatever. But he still had that respect because of all the cash they put in beforehand, mm. basically. So it's almost like looking at like Dwayne Wade and it's like he's 35, his knees aren't really <laughs> okay. like the way they are. But like yeah, you still yeah, respect yeah. him exactly. for the past work that he's done thus far and like the the, um, the flag bearing that he's done, basically. So yeah, that's, that's cool. what I took from it. So if you ever get the chance, man, listen to. Um, Listen to all of Mob Deep's albums from like ninety five up until ninety nine. Okay, that's their best work in my humble opinion. Okay, and then you'll probably understand a bit, a, a bit more why I still why so many people were shaken up by his death. Apart from the fact that it's death, but like yeah, exactly. the fact that like such a great talent has been removed from hip hop as far as the tangible world is concerned, basically. Yeah, yeah. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time for the for the flashback Friday track of the day. And what better way to kick it off than with a classic record from Prodigy and Havoc, otherwise known as Mob Deep. And I figure I had so many of you people like chime in and say, play this record. No, play this record. And I had a tough time deciding. I wanted to play Shook Ones, but that's the one we all know and love. I wanted to play Survival of the Fittest, but like that's a pretty popular record among mob fans and hip-hop fans as well. So I figure let's go with the record that a lot of people consider to be their magnum opus when it comes to them reaching somewhat of commercial success and also one of Prodigy's most prolific records overall as well. And this one is called Quiet Storm. So we're going to play that record. It's also being lauded as one of the most popular beats in hip-hop history as well, and I agree with that wholeheartedly because that beat is fire. So on that note, we're going to play that, and after that, we got the Wankster of the Week coming up. So this is Cool Radio, (laughs) and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Yes, yes, yo. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. I still got my man, William Lou, in the building. Say what's up to the people. Yo. Yes. And we are in the overtime edition of Cool Radio as it is 9.41 p.m. Uh, if you're still listening to us, I really appreciate that. Um, you know what? It's been two weeks. I figure I have the right and the privilege to go on overtime anyway. But nonetheless, I will be bringing this show to a crescendo and the crescendo that you all know and love very well. And you guys have been waiting for two weeks to hear this. So on that note, uh, here we go. <clears throat> Who has been entered into the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. God, I love that. It's a classic track. Very. Ladies and gentlemen, the Wankster of the Week goes to none other than New York Knicks president and executive and slack of a chief executive officer, Phil Jackson. 
Now, Phil Jackson is getting the Wankster of the Week because of his choice in drafting the uh, French product from uh, the, the, the draft uh, this, this past Wednesday or this past Thursday. Now, I'm not giving him the Wankster because of his choice of player per se because I have nothing against the player. But it's just the fact that not only is he drafting someone who is a new raw talent, but you're now signifying that you are now going to take another four years to build something when four years prior you said that you want to win now. On top of that, he's not only getting the wasted because of that, but he's also getting the wasted because of the fact that even though you're trying to rebuild now, you are trading your centerpiece of rebuilding in Christophe Porzingis all because he missed an exit meeting. Big whoop-de-freaking-do. Players miss exit meetings all the time. Like, it's not... It's not uncommon for a player to miss an exit meeting and why would you even trade a player because of that i mean hell shaquille o'neal missed the exit meeting back in 2004 when they got swept by the by the by the detroit pistons but hey we didn't see anyone trade him he left on his own accord because he knew he wasn't coming back and on top of that i'm also giving him the wankster because of the fact that during a tryout for one of the lottery picks in the nba draft this man fell asleep bruh are you what Listen, you can be the president, the CEO, the king, the sultan, the Arafat, the the friggin' the friggin' Ayatollah, who whatever title you the king of Wakanda, the whatever title you have, you cannot be sleeping at your job, bro. What are you doing? I I want to know who this workout was for. It may have been for like Deer and Fox. It could have been for 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 I don't know. It could have been for anyone. Either way, you cannot be falling asleep while you're trying to do your job. And that's the thing right here. I don't think he's trying to do his job. I think he's trying to get fired. That way, he can still get paid whatever he's owed. Because God forbid if he quits, he can't get paid that money because he quit. He violated the terms of the contract. And on top of that, and as much as I detest Carmelo Anthony, the way he's treated Carmelo Anthony, if you're treating him of all people like a, some second-rate scrub, so what does that say about Chris Porzingis or any other player who has star potential? He is a cancer to the New York Knicks. Like, I'm not a Knicks fan. I think they're the most overrated franchise in NBA history, seeing how they only have two titles. Yeah, they talk about the greatness that is the New York Knicks. What greatness? I'm sorry. But even as, like, an empathetic human being, I almost have somewhat of a soft spot for the Knicks in this situation right now. Unless if it's a Knicks fan dissing the Raptors, then I'm just let your ass up. But beyond that... New York deserves better. They really de- – I'm not talking about the Nets either. They have their own hole to dig. But the Knicks, they kind of deserve a little bit better. They deserve deserve at least competency at the very least. So on that note, Phil, and all of your stupidity when it comes to the triangle offense, oh, yeah. you're getting the wankster, man. I'm sorry, man. Do you deserve this wankster? Of course you do. And I'm going to drop on you just like this. Ever since he got off of Genie Buses, you know what? Things have not been right for him. I'm just saying. But Will, what are your thoughts on Jim or on uh, Phil Jackson? He's got to retire, man. Like you know what I mean? Like he should, he he's one of those guys that like he basically he's in the Godfather three yeah. part of his career right now. He's just ruining the legacy. Yeah. Because if he just walked away after the whole Kobe like the second uh, time he he coached Kobe, yeah, we've been fine. Eleven rings. But he had to come back. He yep. had to prove that the triangle offense is the best way to play basketball. 
Even though nobody plays the triangle anymore. Nobody. It's so antiquated. Also, you you were successful because you had Kobe, you had Shaq, you yep. had Scottie Pippen. Yeah. All right? Like, you had Michael, Michael. obviously. Yep. So, like, come on, man. It's not because of your triangle offense. It's not this and that. Like, you were a good coach. You're not, you don't work as an executive. He clearly can't relate to today's players. Nope. He's, like, three times as old as Chris Hasperzingas, man. And the thing is, <laughs> here's the thing right here. If you keep gawking about the triangle offense and how it should be implemented. Yeah. Why don't you coach then? Exactly. Exactly. He keeps hiring random triangle coaches. Yeah. Derek Fisher. Derek Kurt Fisher, he Randall. didn't coach before. <laughs> what are you doing? It's the Knicks, man. You come on. You can you can get anybody to coach in New York. Yeah. You can, there's a lot of money in the organization. Yeah. And it's New York. And you had to get Derek Fisher. Who then, like, him and Matt Barnes, I mean, like, it's you know, ever since ever since <laughs> Phil Jackson got to New York, it's bad headline after bad. Remember, yo. he traded for Bargnani. Yo, I don't know how we were able to get. Yo, see, that's the thing we right there. We got picks for Bargnani. You know what the joke is? You want to know, you know what the joke is? I, when, when, when Masai first came to the Raptors, I, yeah. said to, I said to myself, I don't give a damn about this guy until he makes a move. Two weeks later, he trades Bargnani. Who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I was on the yeah. bandwagon like, immediately. Exactly. Masai, Masai. Yes. <laughs> yes, running scams from the office. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Truth is Nigerian heritage. All right. <laughs> and I can say that because I'm half Nigerian, so it doesn't uh, matter. <laughs> but, yeah, no, nah, Phil, he's a mess, man. He, he doesn't know how to run a team. He's just there to collect checks. James Dolan, I don't know why he allows it. Mm. I mean, he's no spring chicken himself getting Charles Oakley, of all people, kicked yeah, out of the exactly. arena. They just they don't treat people right. They that's tones. Like, what has Melo done? Okay, if you want to trade Melo, that's fine. You got to work with him because you got a no trade clause. Yeah, you can't just be in the media every day being like, "Man, we got to trade Melo. We got to we got to dump him. We don't want him here, Melo. You got to leave. You're old. We think you ho- yeah. hog the ball. Like, what is that? Come on, man. Why why would you do that? But see, here's the thing. Why? Who gave him that no trade clause? Yeah, it was Phil. There you go. Phil. He didn't have to give him the no he trade clause. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. Now, mind you, I and got- he broke up his marriage. Yeah, him and Lala. That was a cool, that was a cute couple. Now uh, apparently, wait, wait, why he he broke up the marriage? How so? I mean, I, the reports were saying okay. that it was like the you know the pressure, all the bad media on on Melo. Okay. always had the face questions, but also you know it's because Melo was you know yeah yeah he's Melo was doing his own thing, kicking around know. with the yeah, hoes and stuff like true. that. Man. Although like, they, they they seem to come back together. I like that couple. I like that couple. <sighs> I, they got a cute kid. I when they have when there's a cute kid, I'm just like all right, stay together. Yeah, you yeah, didn't sure. have that kid. Whatever, do whatever. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like overall, yeah, man, man. Like Melo, Melo kind of dug himself in a hole when he signed he that one hundred twenty million dollar deal. Even after the fact that Tyson Chandler and guys like that got traded away and stuff like that, yep. like that was his own fault. Like he knew what he was getting into. Yep. But Phil's no better either, just ruining the franchise to the grave. Mm. Like I don't know if he has like this the vendetta against the Knicks. I know he used to play for them when he was a, <laughs> yeah, was when he was, when he was a player. Yeah, he yeah. dug them into the ground in the nineties as a coach, and now he's digging into the ground now as an executive. I don't know what New York has done to him in the past, mm-hmm. but he needs to let it go. Yeah, that's true. Let it go. That's true. Oh man, that's true. But yeah, man, we got end things off on on this note, man. Um, Will. Thank you so much for coming through. I know you're a busy man, being oh, quoted by Zach Lowe and all these oh, things. <laughs> but uh, before you go, man, uh, do you have anything coming up? Like, what's happening with Raptors Republic and all that stuff? Uh, so the, the normal stuff, to be honest. I mean, I, I'm writing something tomorrow on the Raptors. Uh, the new guy that they drafted, yeah. OG Ananobe. Yeah. Um, Shout out to another African joining yeah, the team. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Masai. <laughs> Masai is slowly going to turn us into Team World. Right? I, see, yeah, I no said Americans, that for time. No Americans. No Americans. <laughs> I've been saying that for a time. Like, I said, I was like, yo, hold on. 
Wait, we drafted another African? Like, yep. this is low-key becoming yep. like the home of Africans now. Like, yep. Pascal Siakam, yep. Bizrak Miyabo, Sergi Baca, mm-hmm. and now this kid. Yep. Okay, I'm here for it. Yeah, Whatever. Side, listen, that's fine. That's fine, man. Um, so I'm rising on him. Uh, there's going to be podcasts out. It always comes out on uh, on Mondays, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a weekly recap of what happened with the Raptors. Right. And then I also do a, a little side gig on the side called the Defeated Podcast, where I just, uh, you know, talk to my, my friends and... It's kind of like this, you know what I mean? Like we talk some sports, we talk some culture, we talk whatever, we talk about our lives. Yeah, and, you know, you know, it's a free flowing conversation. So check that out, the Defeated Podcast. I always gotta shout that out. Yeah, all right, that's what's up. Uh, do you have any social media that you that you want to shout out, like like Twitter handles and all that? Yeah, yeah, I don't do with other stuff. So just follow me on Twitter at uh, William underscore Lou L O U. It's like Lou Williams but backwards. <laughs> And, and uh, no two girls that get along, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, we can't all be as lucky as Lou Williams. I know, right? Like, jeez, yeah. man. Shout, shout out to the captain, Lou Williams. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, once again, thank you for coming through. And ladies and gentlemen, listening, man, I know we had a two-week break, but I thank you for sticking around nonetheless. Uh, tune in next week. We, we may have a guest on next week. I'll keep you all informed with that. But other than that, follow the social media as per the usual. Uh, so that's cool underscore radio on Twitter. Uh, that's also cool underscore radio on the SoundCloud. Uh, cool Radio CC on uh, YouTube and also Cool Radio CC on the Facebook fan page as well. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment. Reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.